to me, part of the intriguing thing about fundraising is finding out how you can meet people where they are and what intrigues them and the mission of this organization. I hope people grab on to that because we provide, not just to the homeless, but we provide health care and supportive services to those who are uninsured, to really the marginalized of our community who maybe don't know how to access health care on their own. And we've been doing that, and, and this is just what I adore about this organization. We've been doing it for 128 years in Omaha. Wow. 1896, our founder, so here in Omaha, our founder was the daughter of the mayor of Omaha. Huh. His name was Ezra Millard, and her name Anna Millard Rogers. And she literally saw she was a person of privilege. She would be out with her parents, and she would see people who were sick or injured in the streets of Omaha and had no access to any type of care. Wow. And she took that to heart, and she went and she got a nursing degree, and she started this organization out of the mayor's home. Wow. And she said, I am going to take health care to people. And 128 years later, we still do that. We have this office that you're in with me. There are no clients served in this office. We do all of our service in people's homes, yeah. wherever they call home. If you're currently calling a homeless shelter home, yeah. then that's where we meet you. Visiting Nurses Association with CEO, Dr. Carol Patrick. Doctor, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on Omapod. Excited to talk to you. Thank you so much, Tony. I'm glad to be with you. Yeah, and we're doing this to promote one of your big events for the year, but also going to discuss what you guys do generally so people know. And But I guess let's talk about the fundraiser first and what do you want people to know and where can they go to pitch in? Yeah, it's so Art and Soup is the one and only fundraiser that we do for yeah. this organization. I love both those things. Yeah, so. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's it's a really unique event, and I think that's why people like it. It's the 27th year that we're having this event, and it really is about art and soup. I'll yeah. give you. I'll describe it a little bit more in a second. But Sunday, March 10th, we're at Omaha Design Center, two to five. All of the money that we raise places our VNA nurses in local homeless shelters, domestic violence shelters, and group maternity homes. So it is a very worthy cause, Yeah. Uh, but it's also just an incredibly fun event that people enjoy coming to. Uh, we have, our current count is about 15 restaurants, and there's some of our great restaurants in Omaha. I'm looking here, Avoli, La Voltaire, Talus, the new restaurant Fig from Luminarium. Yes, very uh, good. They're participating. Making they, me hungry now. Right? And, and they donate all the food that, that they bring, and they create these amazing soups. And you go around and, and you eat, and while you're eating, there's an indoor art festival. Yeah. And again, some of the great artists in this community, different genres, different price points, and they donate 50% of anything you buy as far as art to the cause. Wow. It's just, and you get to come and go. There's no tables for 10. There's no auctions going on. There's no speakers. You come and go as you desire. There is free parking, lots of ample parking down there. 
and you come on a Sunday afternoon and just have a good time with us knowing that you were making a difference in putting our nurses in those shelters. Yeah. And they can buy the tickets through the website. And yeah, that's yeah, uh, yeah. VNAToday.org backslash art and soup. You can get tickets if you. We're always looking for corporate sponsors. If that's sure. something you'd like to do, if you'd like to volunteer. Yeah. If you or if you've got somebody in your family who needs volunteer hours, we're still gathering volunteers for the event. Yeah. How big of a crew do you have for that event? I'm sure everyone here in the office and all sorts yeah, of people. Yeah. yeah. Our, our whole crew all in the office, we usually have about 120 volunteers. And yeah, it's a big day, but it's well worth it for the cause. And how much is a ticket? General admission tickets are $50. Okay. Not, it's a pretty good deal, really. It's a pretty I good mean, deal because I'm telling you, you, from will, the you, will fill up, yeah. you will fill up on the food. Yeah. You will have fun shopping the art. And like I said, if you buy something, part of that part of that value goes to us. And it's just very, it's a very festive celebratory day. Yeah. yeah. And I'll link information, too, on all that on the newsletter side. If you're subscribed on that side, check that out. And if you're not subscribe to it it's free so you were telling me a little bit about kind of your own personal journey and how you got here you started off in tv actually Uh, as i did and you got some national with abc news and i was with cbs when i started are there anything from those experiences that you apply to what you're doing that's very different but it is community service in a way too a, a journalism as i've always thought I, when I think back on it today, I'm so grateful for all these experiences I had because they've culminated in where I am today and helped me to help this organization. When I graduated from Drake University, my first job was working for ABC News during yeah. the 1984 Democratic primary. Right. Ended up being the Mondale Ferraro ticket against Ronald Reagan, Yeah, but I got to travel across the country with Brit Hume and Sandra right. Van Oker and just understand what they did. And I got really quick at writing some copy and helping things. Yeah. My next jump was being the press secretary for the lieutenant governor of Iowa. Once again, learned to write well, very quickly in yeah. another person's voice. All right. It's very, um, very key skill. It is a key um, skill. And people yes. don't think about it. <laughs> And eventually, and this was truly my dream all along, but I, uh, I received a master's, both master's and, and doctorate degrees in psychology. And so I did some private clinical counseling practice, but primarily I fell in love with teaching. And I was a college professor for a number of years. So you did the private practice counseling type things, yep. but you always knew that teaching was... Or did you know that until yeah, you did I, it? I was doing both yeah. simultaneously. And I tell you, somebody asked me to come in and teach a college class. And I thought, that would be interesting. I'm such a geek. Loved what I had learned and anything that I could share. And I tell you what, from day one, absolutely fell in love yeah. uh, with the teaching process. And I still do miss it. Yeah. But there was something, and, it, and it's been, let's see, almost 15 years ago. I had been serving on some nonprofit boards. My daughter and I had moved here to the Omaha area, and I just thought, I, for this next chapter in my life, I would really like to do something where I feel like I am directly impacting the lives of people less fortunate than me. Yeah. 
And so I had a great opportunity to move over to be the chief philanthropy officer at Stevens Center, which was one of our local homeless shelters here. And and I looked at it, and apologies to any of you who raise money. I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but I thought fundraising is psychological because it's all about relationships. Right? Yeah. And so, again, went into that and fell in love with it because I believe when you have a great mission and when you have Omaha is a very generous community. Yes. And, yeah, re- really enjoyed that. And what that job taught me more than the fundraising piece I was surrounded every day, and in fact, I ate my lunch every day with the homeless clients there in the shelter. Yeah. And I learned there, but for the grace of God, sure. you know? Yeah. There's so many people in our local shelters who have made choices. For example, do I pay my rent or do I pay for my mental health medication? I want to stay, I want to have a house, so I'm going to pay my rent. But then when in going off the medication, they spiral out. And they end up doing something that gets them evicted from their apartment. Yeah. And then they're in the homeless shelter or they're on the street for a period of time. And we see it over and over. In Omaha, about 60% of the shelter population has co-occurring physical and mental health issues. And there's just so many times that illness, whether it's physical or mental, brings people to a shelter. Yeah. Divorce brings people to shelter. When I can't afford a down payment on a new apartment, I was always so respectful of people who literally came and stayed at a shelter until they saved up money to put down a deposit. Yeah, right. On a month's rent on an apartment. That's a humbling thing. Yeah. But taught me so much, and I still stay in touch with some of the folks that, that I met there. Yeah. And that was the first time I also met the nurses from Visiting Nurse Association. Right. Because they were, they were there serving the homeless in the shelter. And just about eight years ago, I ended up coming over to VNA first as the chief philanthropy officer. And then this past year, I was promoted to be the CEO. Yeah. And congrats for that. And it was interesting and showing me around. You've got some art here. It's got the history of the organization and some cool things that you've got posted around the office. So I know it's got a great history as an organization locally. And so when you got started here, what was your very, was it philanthropy was the first right, thing right. you it was got fundraising. here? Okay. Yeah. And did that were you getting your, for lack of a better term, hands as dirty as you like dealing with just philanthropy? I'm sure you're in all facets of the organization. But. And one of the cool things, going back to your initial question, was I came in not only doing the philanthropy, but doing the public relations and the marketing, yeah. the communications. And I, I had just a wonderful opportunity to mold some new ways of doing things utilizing social media, utilizing video, just finding new ways to find new donors. And I've said, I I tell this story a lot, so my mom will be 87 years old this week. Wow. If she donates to somebody, it's because they've sent her a letter and it has a remittance envelope and she writes a check and she mails it in, right? My daughter, who is in her early 30s, I don't know that she even knows where her checkbook is, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. But if 
I have a way for her to donate by phone, yeah, she is more likely to donate. So it's bridging that kind of interesting gap right. between say, different like generations. Venmo and yeah, you know, you've got the to modern... have Venmo and PayPal, all those different ways. And um, I had never considered that until you were saying that before we started. What else might surprise people that the organization does or wants to do that might not be something that we think of a visiting nurse doing? have a, a very robust program that works with pregnant women in our community. We have referrals that come from high schools, if there are pregnant teens. We have referrals that come from any source. You can refer yourself. Yeah. But we, our nurses and social workers, work with that young lady on healthy pregnancy, healthy childbirth, and then we will stay with that mom, child, dad, if dad's in the picture, up to five years old, up until they go to school, working again on parenting skills. And as an example, if I was never read to as a child, it doesn't occur to me the benefit that might bring to my child. So we have these wonderful experts who not only will work on the health side of things, but that entire piece of raising a child just coming alongside for whatever amount of assistance those parents need. Just an incredibly cool program. We have free car seats and pack and plays that we give out within the community. On the other side of the spectrum, vulnerable elderly in our community. There are folks in our community who have been in their homes for 50, 60 years, and they can stay there if they have a little bit of assistance. So we can come in, we can help with bathing, we can help with medication management. Seemingly small things that can really add up to helping someone be able to stay in their home. Right. We have, we have school nurses uh-huh. all around the community, public, private, and parochial schools. We have immunization programs. If you're out there and you hear this and you're responsible for bringing flu shots into your organization, we would love to be able to do that because when you use us, the money we make goes back to serving those people who can't afford yeah. the care on their own. And so I like to think about, I, I, I love hy V and I love my bonus dollars that come to me right. for my groceries or for flu shots. Some people go that way, but think about the benefit that you're bringing uh, to our community if you would utilize someone like us. Yeah. Just a little pitch, extra pitch there when flu shots come back around. That's right. So when you got into the philanthropic kind of overseeing that, the charge was a little modernization and diversification Mm -hmm. and pushing where the younger folks into mobile and then all that type of receiving payment or donation. When you got here into the corner office, what are the challenges? What are the opportunities? Where are you trying to take the organization maybe where it wasn't before? What's your ideal goal down the line? There's two important priorities that I'm working on right now. One is to collaborate, be a collaborative partner with a lot of other folks in our community. We can work together. Yeah. That's an amazing thing. I can give you an example of that and shout out to Dr. Charity Evans over at UNMC. She is the head trauma surgeon over there. And we met, we were in the same leadership Omaha class and we met and started talking and over 50% of the trauma patients that she sees are, are a result of a fall. Wow. Wow. Okay. And what she was discovering was nobody to follow up with those people when they went home. 
Yeah. So we've actually written a couple of grants together so that we can work with those clients together. So when her team sends somebody home, we can follow up with them. We can make sure that things are, are okay in their homes so that there won't be another fall yeah. or someone won't be rehospitalized. Those are great things. The type of things that we can do if folks are serving the population that we serve, but they don't have health care. Yeah. How do we partner with more and more people? So that's one piece of it. The other piece that I'm really looking at is the great services that we have that we offer for free within this community. Are there ways that we can turn those into fee-for-service for people who can't afford them, hmm. right? And for example, we do great at offering birthing classes to our clients. And I've understood from a couple of folks in our community that it's tough to find a birthing class. Really, We're looking into that prospect. How can we take that out? And so for those who can't afford it, there's a fee to pay for our normal clients they still get that for free yeah we have these great services of lactation and breastfeeding do you need somebody to come in your home and help you with that hmm. those are the kind of things we can help and going back to the birthing classes i've also been told that there's a real need for spanish language yeah. birthing class we could do that right so i'm looking at those ways and sometimes those overlap as we collaborate and partner with others and also look at how we can bring in some revenue Yeah. because for our client base, 100% of their services are free to them, but we raise the money right. to do that. Um, There's no such thing as a free nurse. And we have a $10 million budget in this organization. Wow. Last year, we raised $8.5 of that $10 million. Yeah. And that's phenomenal, but I think we can diversify that yeah. funding and, and so those are the kind of things I'm looking at is to begin to balance that out a little bit. Donations and grants, absolutely amazing and we'll keep that up. But can we balance some with bringing in some additional revenue? Yeah. I guess I would just say with regard to the mission of this organization, there will always be poor people in a community. Right. There will always be folks who can't afford or can't access care, whether that's mental health care, physical health care, food, and let us not forget that they are there. And we're so grateful to everyone who surrounds this organization and helps us provide those services because people deserve access. And so the work that if you're listening to this or anyone out in the community, the work that you help us do is so valuable and it literally changes people's lives. Yeah. And that's why I'm so committed to it. I'm, I'm here and doing everything we can to make sure that people get the care that they need. Yeah. And certainly to circle back to the beginning, one of the ways that you can do that is, is being part of this event that we've got right. coming up on March 10th. You know, uh, now your broadcasting soup. roots are coming back. Yeah, Call there back. you go. There you go. Sunday, March 10th. Sunday, two March to five. 10th. Please join us. Yes. Uh, we will link again on the newsletter side. Dr. Carol Patrick, thank you for all you and the organization thank does. You. We enjoyed getting the tour and the briefing today. Very interesting. Appreciate it. And we'll have to catch up later and see how the fundraiser did and all that. So thank you thank for coming you. on Omapod. Appreciate, oh, it. appreciate it. All right. So Thanks. Thanks.